just thank you for bringing the logic to this conversation. I do every dang day. Someone tweeted, BYU hasn't played anybody this year. Like you, and a BYU fan said, you literally haven't played anybody. <laughs> I love to sport. The one true reality. I love sports ball. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Earlier this morning, Jerem had a chance to speak with ESPN College Football Insider and Analyst, BYU National Champion Trevor Maddich for another Maddich Monday College Football Playoff New Year's Six, all of the above discussed. Okay, Trevor, BYU beats Western Kentucky 41-10. Second half, not ideal. Any concerns about how that went, or is that water under the bridge? Well, it's water under the bridge, and the concerns I don't have, Jeremy, unless it is something that is repeatable. The reason that happened, first of all, Western Kentucky stopped making mistakes. But then BYU kind of slipped, I think, a little bit in terms of their energy and focus, as you will when you are so dominant in the first half. And as long as it's one of those things that the coaches can kind of grab them and shake them and get them focused again, then it'll be just fine. You played in a lot of those games in the 80s where you guys were a top 10 team and you were supposed to beat up on an opponent. Perhaps you didn't perform at the A level, but you kind of moved on from there. How did you guys approach that when you were trying to get better against a standard that you set yourself? We always played up to the level of our ability. I don't remember a single game where we said, yeah, they're not very good even though we played some teams that weren't very good and we played some that were better than people knew. And that was the reason for a lot of those scores that, that were a little closer later in the game than people thought. But I think the best teams play up to their level and they don't play down to the level of their opponent plus a few points kind of a thing. That's the way this BYU team has been. And so that's why if they have a half a football or really even just a quarter of football where for a few series, things don't go their way and, you know, they, they aren't quite where they want to be mentally and physically, uh, th- that's okay. If that happens a lot, then you would have a sign of a team that's not mentally disciplined, but this BYU team has shown all year that it is excessively mentally disciplined. They had a slip-up. That's okay. And it didn't hurt them in the polls. People look at that, especially when it's a game that starts at ten twenty Eastern, and they go, oh, BYU won by 31, and how many touchdowns did Zach Wilson have? Oh, he had four. Okay, another dominating win. Yeah. And BYU goes from 11 to 9. BYU's into the top 10, Trevor. This is a special season, no doubt. And now they match up with number 21, Boise State, and we talked about it. Listen, this is as big of a game as BYU's played in a long time. What do you think? Yeah, it's a huge game because this is one of those games – that remain this and probably San Diego state as long as they don't slip up elsewhere and assuming they don't add a game, which they might, this is the game we point to is the one that will tell the, the national pollsters, the new year six bowl people, the playoff committee that BYU really is as good as they've been playing. A lot of times it's hard to tell how good a team is if they're physically better than the opponents that they play. Because if you're just a couple steps ahead, bam, it's 80 yards. You're gone. Whereas if it's a fair fight, now you're grinding it out. And so this is much a fair fight, more than a fair fight. Boise State looks like they are who we thought they were going to be coming into this season. I mean, they're ranked number 21 after a couple of games. Uh, They won a tough game against Air Force with some COVID issues. I mean, this is a Boise State team that is nationally respected. And if BYU is able to go out and win, they don't have to win in a dominant fashion, but if they can go and win this game, bring it home, it will tell people nationally, especially the playoff committee who gets to decide who goes to the New Year's Six, that BYU is not just a big bully in a small field, but rather 
they're a big bully, period. And that gives them a lot of juice when it comes to the final committee rankings. Absolutely. And and I said it earlier, if Boise State was 7-0, and I think they'd be in the same position BYU's in uh, at number nine. I really do. And if BYU was 2-0 and with those two wins, I don't think they'd be ranked. So, But here we sit with, with two top 20 teams. BYU's the highest ranked team to ever visit Boise, yet have never won there. And here Zach Wilson is on the revenge tour. Two years ago as a freshman, led BYU on a drive that could have been the game winner, took a sack, didn't throw it away, and BYU loses there. What kind of motivation do you think he has, and BYU, frankly, to make sure they win, not just for what's happened the previous five meetings and two years ago, but because of the stakes? Yeah, I don't know that they're really thinking about how hard it is to win at Boise. I really think they're thinking about what they're doing this year. From Zach Wilson's standpoint, I mean, he's on a Heisman run. He's on a Heisman run. He's putting together a season that will be seen as among the greats of all the great BYU quarterbacks, Jim McMahon, Mark Wilson, Steve Young, you know, go back to Gifford Nielsen, Gary Scheide, Steve Sarkeesian, Ty Detmer, keep on going. Robbie Bosco, national championship. This season that Zach Wilson is putting together, if he continues it, and if the team continues to rally around him, will be seen as a peer of those greatest seasons. And I don't think that what's happened in the past at Boise State is going to be on his mind. For the rest of them, I think they're fully aware of what the stakes are here. They've had a party, and we've seen the dancing on the sideline for most of the games this year. This, this will not be a party. This will be a fight, a hard fight. And the team that wins will come out battered and bruised because both sides are physical. Both sides have playmakers. Both sides have motivation. And both sides are respected for all the right reasons. So I don't know that BYU would be thinking in the past. And really, I don't know that they're thinking in the future in terms of Heisman race and things like that. I think they're thinking that all of their goals ride on this game. And that means, like we've talked about in the past, all of their goals ride not on the game. That's too vague. Not on this series. That's too vague. All their goals ride on this play that's next. And that's great perspective. And you look at the preparation involved for this game, Trevor. This is unique. Obviously, a short week and Friday. And Boise is not far away, but it's still on the road. The NCAA said, listen, no teams in any sport on Election Day can hold formal team-organized practices. BYU chooses not to practice or do anything on Sunday. So today is a prep day. Wednesday is a prep day. And then Thursday they travel and they play Friday. What impact do you think that will have on the game? You know, I, I don't know that it will have that much impact on BYU. It might have a little more impact on Boise State because BYU has a lot more games under their belt this year so far. Boise State has two. And so they're still putting together their chemistry. They're still getting their legs underneath them to a degree. And losing a a day of practice for them, I think, would matter a lot more than BYU losing a day of practice. We're talking to ESPN's Trevor Maddich, former Cougar, NFL player as well. Trevor, uh, the line has swung by four. Originally, Boise State was a home favorite. Now BYU is the favorite, which is pretty interesting going in there. What do you think of the swing of that line? Well, the swing of that line, I think, goes to what the public thinks about BYU as a football team because the line, the way this works, I'm told by people who know more about it than me, is set in order to get 50% of the wagers on both sides. That's what they really want. And that way, the books make money by taking the VIG. They take the you know their commission in between. And so if a lot of people are betting on Boise State, then – you know, what they want to do is change the point spread to get more people incentivized to bet on BYU. That's the way that it works. But what it means because of the way the line moved, like you said, is that more people 
are saying, yeah, this BYU team is for real. This BYU team can and I believe will beat Boise State. So that's sort of the, the wisdom of the masses that right now is on, on BYU's side. Let's talk about Zach Wilson. Then I want to ask you about adding a game or not, whether BYU needs to do it. Uh, 26 touchdowns total, passing and rushing, three giveaways. I mean, are we going to talk about, and you, you mentioned it, are we going to talk about this as a top five quarterback season in BYU history? Absolutely. Absolutely. And as long as he doesn't melt down. But as, if he continues what he's doing, yes. And I think you saw it in, uh, I think it was the first drive, the throw on the right sideline to Gunnar Romney. The, it was vertical. It was deep. It was right near the goal line. The defender was right on Romney. I mean, seriously, his leg was in Romney's pants. He was that close. And yet that ball dropped in with inches to spare. And I think it traveled almost 40 yards in the air. So it was the kind of pass that had to be accurate, and it was. And you compare that to completions that he has made like that, but where the defender was two steps behind, you think, yeah, well, the guy was wide open, but the ball dropped in the same spot. And so you get to see the accuracy when it has to be accurate. You saw the same thing with the touchdown on the right side, short touchdown pass to Isaac Rex. The defender was all over him. And that pass came in literally inches above where it had to come in to avoid what the defender could do. Rex reached up, caught the pass. We've seen uh, Wilson throw passes like that where the receiver was open. Okay, but the ball hit the same spot. And that's the important thing is that whether guys are covered or whether they're not, so far this season, what makes him great from an accuracy, accuracy standpoint is that that ball is dropping in whether it has to be pinpoint or whether it doesn't. It's as if it had to. And his uh, completion percentage dipped a little bit in this game, now on the season 74.6. But listen, the dude's at like 75%. I'm not going to complain about one game where he throws 9 or 11 incompletions or whatever. The throw to Keanu Hill, by the way, was mentioned a lot by people, even though it wasn't caught as an, an incredible throw. Yeah, but, but, but Keanu Hill, to me, had one of my favorite plays of this game. And he wasn't a target. This was when there was pressure coming up the middle on a nice blitz, but they forgot to cover Lapini Katoa in the left flat. So Zach does what Zach does. He's okay. Here comes the pressure. I have a little bit of time. Where's my guy? He hits Katoa. Katoa ends up running a touchdown. Right. What I loved about that was that Keanu Hill was at the point of attack about 15 or 20 yards downfield and got a pancake. Nice. And what he did was he, <laughs> he hit the, 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 the defensive back, literally hit him in the mouth. And the guy just collapsed and just knocked down to the seat of his pants. It was just wonderful. But it's the way these receivers have been playing, whether it's going after a football or blocking for each other, that Keanu Hill play, he won't get a stat for that. But it was one of my favorite plays of this whole game. That's fantastic when receivers are getting involved like that. Uh, Trevor, are your colleagues at ESPN talking to you about BYU more right now since they're in the top ten? Yes. Uh, but they've been talking about BYU for much of this season. They'll call me on the phone and ask me, so what's going on? What's it like to be there? Everything else. And then when I listen to them call the games, uh, it's, it's interesting to me because I, you know, I, I've called, I don't know, I've called lots of games and I have heard other people call thousands and thousands of games. And the respect that they have when they talk about BYU is really interesting to me. I mean, they point out the excellence of the athletes, but there's a level of respect in their tone of voice and the way they talk about the way BYU goes about their business about the way BYU respects the game. And to me, that's what stands out more than anything else. So I'll talk to them about, you know, who to look for and why things happen that way and what is the missionary thing like and, and what about Zach and things like that. I'll talk to them about that. But ultimately, it comes down to jaded football players, jaded broadcasters who have seen and done pretty much everything there is to see and do. Look at BYU and go, wow, those guys are doing it right. 
And so far, so good. BYU at 7-0 at Boise State this week. Trevor, after this week, BYU will play two games and have four buys before December 20th Selection Sunday. Does BYU need to add a game just to stay in the conversation, or if they go undefeated, will 10-0 be good enough to get into a New Year's Six? It might. It will depend on what, what other things happen. We don't know what the Pac-12 is going to be right now. Uh, Penn State lost that one game uh, against Indiana in the opener. But then they play tight against Ohio State, and if they sweep the rest of the way, they're a name that the New Year's Six might want. Texas A&M is a team that has a good chance to finish as a one-loss SEC non-champ with 9-1 and one SEC schedule. They played 10 games this year instead of eight, and that'll create a lot of juice from a standpoint of, of the, the committee for New Year's Six. So there's a lot of competition out there for what BYU might be able to do to sneak into that. If they do add a game, well, that gives them a risk and reward, doesn't it? I mean, I was talking to Greg McElroy this morning. He's a former Alabama quarterback and now one of ESPN's star broadcasters. He's fantastic. And, and we were talking about the concept of BYU maybe adding a game against Cincinnati during one of, those, uh, one of those weeks that are open for both. Because for both teams, it would be great. For Cincinnati, it would give them juice to get into the playoff if they're able to beat a highly ranked team like BYU. And if BYU were able to win, it gives them that same kind of juice. For Cincinnati, it's almost, um, you know, something that doesn't have much risk because if they are still the highest-ranked Group of Five champion, they still get an automatic bid to the New Year Six. So right now, it's not New Year Six that they're really thinking about. It is playoff, and they've already played a good schedule, Cincinnati. But adding a BYU, if they're able to win, that's a win over a team that you could expect will be very highly ranked. And that would give them incentive to schedule BYU if their conference will allow. We did see Nebraska get turned down by the Big Ten to add a game. Their game against Wisconsin was canceled for COVID reasons. Nebraska tried to add Chattanooga to fill that spot. And the Big Ten said, nope, we're not doing that. Nope, can't do it. So it's up to the American to decide if both parties want to do it, American Conference. But if they do, it's really intriguing that BYU could possibly add a game like that. Now, we're talking right now hypothetically, if they don't get past Boise State, then the, the calculus changes a bit. Yes. But, but the idea is very interesting. Absolutely. Trevor, have a good week. Tell the people in the, uh, the residence center, wherever you're at, to fix that clock in the back. It's been broken for weeks. It's 847 every week, and we appreciate the you know, time. Maybe that clock isn't broken. Maybe that's a number that's very important to you. <laughs> Perhaps maybe it is. Broken. Thanks, Trevor. All right. We'll see you. ESPN's Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. 847. He's Desmond from Lost, just repeating the numbers constantly in the back. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We have something special cooked up today for the candidate that matters the most. Yeah, listen, we know that you're worn out with just a barrage of campaign ads, but bear with us for just one more this Election Day 2020 in the most critical race of all. This November, remember, there's only one candidate who soars above the rest. 
Are you worn out from Power 5 politics? Are you tired of Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State monopolizing a tradition built on fairness for all teams? Then take a stand and vote BYU quarterback Zach Wilson for Heisman. Clemson's Trevor Lawrence spends 10 hours blow-drying his perfect hair, while BYU Zach Wilson drives 10 hours one way to perfect his quarterback craft. Mac Jones of Alabama was handed a silver spoon of five-star players. BYU's Zach Wilson refines his teammates into gold with his bare hands. And how about Ohio State's Justin Fields? He's been on the sidelines for seven weeks, while Zach Wilson was compiling seven wins in a global pandemic. Take it from a man who won the Heisman. We are watching one of the best college football players in the country. Vote Zach Wilson for Heisman and end the Power 5 politics. His name is Zach Wilson, and we're pretty sure he approves of this message. Paid for by Cosmo. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's we the can candidate. all get on board for that. That's the candidate we believe in. None of this Power 5 politics, you know? <laughs> Come on. Rob Tinney, by the way, one of our audio students, composed some of that music. Amazing, Rob. How about that? Well done. Pretty cool. All involved... Huge project and a much-needed one for the happiness of BYU fans. We now turn our attention to this week's Deep Blue feature on one of the best offensive linemen in the entire country and a guy who we think has a very bright NFL future. Brady Christensen is the subject of this week's Deep Blue presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. Brady was a delight. He was he was born 10 pounds, and then he was very, very, very shy. But then I think he kind of blossomed after he started playing sports because he was really good at it. As a freshman, you go run with the football team in the summer. You do summer conditioning with the high school program. And I remember I was about 6 foot, 160, and I couldn't move very good. And I, my feet were already grown to size 15, and I was just, like, running with skis around. And so I wasn't very fast, wasn't very big. And we were up in a trip, me and my, a bunch of my buddies, and they all got the call that they made the high school football team as freshmen, and I didn't. I was the only one left out, and so I ended up playing Little League again, and yeah, it was rough. You know, he's, he's just really been an underdog, and he takes that to heart, and, and, and it's, it's a big motivating thing for him, and I think it's even a motivating thing for him to this day. I've almost kept a mental note of all the things I've been overlooked. Like, the times I'm overlooked, it almost just motivates me to go further and to go farther and to work harder. And I honestly contribute a lot of that to my success here at BYU is being that underdog and feeling like I've been overlooked and it just motivates me to go farther. 230 to 240 range in high school, not real heavily recruited because of that. But they did a good job here of identifying him as someone who would fill out and, and grow. Didn't Jordan say you took a, a test in one of your classes that said you need to go to yeah. a food therapist because yeah. your eating is so bad? Uh, yeah, You're like, do you sleep all right? And I'm like, yes. Are you ever? Do you ever think about like ending your life? I'm like, no. And then do you overeat? I'm like, well, yes, I overeat. I have to overeat. <laughs> And then they say, do you sometimes eat until you feel like you're going to throw up? And I'm like, yes, sometimes I do that. <laughs> and so by the end of it, my, all my mental health was all good. It was all checked out. But then it said eating disorder. It said 
extreme may want to go get help with it at <laughs> like, what <laughs> it's your job <laughs> I just have to be. I think the biggest thing is just the way that that he's grown physically is also matched with the way that he's grown mentally and emotionally he's gone from a guy like I said a minute ago who's somewhat questioned whether he was ready to play and maybe even questioned how good he really could be to the point where now I think he feels like he can line up and play with anybody in the country, and I'd say he's right. We've seen a lot of great things from him as a leader, a lot of great things from him as a person, just just connecting with his uh, teammates, and that whole offensive line unit is really close because of him. He's a big part of it, and, and I, I think he, he has a sense that to know when someone is needing a, a attention or even uh, some comforting. I, I think he has a great gift of, of being able to discern uh, who needs help and, and where to address it. So uh, but just a extreme pr- pleasure for me to be his head coach. My wife is so supportive in football. It's, it's not easy on the wives. I mean, for all of August, you're basically gone from early in the morning to late at night. And then during the season, you're traveling every weekend and you're staying in hotels and whatever. But she's the most supportive thing ever. And it's amazing she just loves watching me play football she comes to every game and she watches film with me even at night like we're watching film and she watches it with me and she's just like always so supportive and uplifting being able to watch him love it so much it makes like all the long days and him being gone a lot of just so much easier because he always has positive things to say about it and I always kind of he'll get home and I'll say did anything interesting happen today and he always just like I swear he always has something positive to say. Like, I never hear anything negative about the team or the coaches. He just really loves it. And so when I am playing, I do it for the love of football, but I do it for her as well. Um, I just love to try to be as successful as possible for her and try my best because of her, because I know she's doing the same thing in her aspects of her life, just working her tail off. So I just try to match that and do it for her. Brady Christensen, our deep blue feature on BYU Sports Nation as the Cougars prepare for number 21 Boise State looking to beat Boise on the blue for the first time in program history. Here's a guy that is absolutely crushing it, and the national analysts and draft analysts are taking notice. In fact, Brady, according to Pro Football Focus, ranks one or two in three major categories. Right now, he is the number one pass blocker in the country with a score of 94.2 according to PFF. He's number two in run blocking and has the second best overall grade of any person at his position. Brady Christensen is going to play on Sundays. He's going to be really good in professional football and if you couldn't tell from that piece he's just kind of a really gentle giant and has a great sense of humor and trust me he does not have an eating disorder. It's totally normal to want to eat that much sometimes especially when the food tastes amazing. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Let's bring in Chris Vanini from The Athletic, who joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, friend of the program, returnee to the show. Chris, great to have you back on BYU Sports Nation. Yep, thanks for having me, guys. 
Life is obviously very good for BYU football fans right now. Top 10 for the first time since 2009, 7-0, and approaching one of the biggest games that they have played literally in decades. You wrote an article this morning and uh, are asking coaches about BYU and their impressions of them. And in response, you got a, a statement from a San Diego State fan who said, I, I don't know who to root for, Boise State or BYU, because they both make me want to vomit. Chris, <laughs> which, who does this game matter more to right now? Well, yeah, yeah I, I, had a, I had a mailbag at the end of my story. And, yeah, San Diego State fans aren't quite sure who to root for because they play BYU at the end of the season, but Boise State's in their conference. So who, who, it's always that that really tough spot for a sports fan is, you know, your two enemies are playing each other. Which one do you root for? And, and I think San Diego State should be rooting for BYU here because BYU is on the schedule. You know, San Diego State doesn't play Boise State unless they meet in the conference championship game. So if BYU wins this game, they're guaranteed top 10, obviously going into that San Diego State game. So uh, if I'm, if I, if I'm San Diego State, I'm rooting for BYU. And obviously if I'm BYU, I'm rooting for BYU. And we'll uh, talk about Boise State, of course, but let's talk about San Diego State for a sec. So two blowout wins in the first two weeks. ESPN's FBI has them favored to win the rest of the way until BYU. Is that going to be a better game than we thought on December 12th in Provo? Yeah, I mean, it's the first year with Brady Hoke back at the helm. They've got two comfortable wins, like you said. And their offense, you know, the offense has been the problem with them for a number of years, but they've scored... You know, last year they didn't score more than 31 points in a game until the bowl game. They've passed that mark twice in two games now. They're averaging, I think, seven yards a carry. I don't think they've thrown an interception yet. And defense remains, so far, looks like one of the best in the country once again. So San Diego State looks like a team two games in that is going to be contending for another Mountain West championship. Chris, Speaking of your article, once again, uh, a lot of commentary coming from the opponents. What was the most eye-opening thing that uh, you received in those uh, comments from BYU opponents? Yeah, I, I, so I talked to Jake Spavadol, the head coach at Texas State, Ken Matalolo, the head coach at Navy, and Jeff Trailer, the head coach at UTSA. And I basically want to say, you know, as someone who has played BYU, how do you look at this team? Are they for real? What, what did they do well? What did they do better than what you expected? And the quote that stuck out for me of the many that are in the story, the one that stuck out to me was Spavadol saying, they make you screw the game up. And what he meant by that was BYU plays a lot of zone defense. They uh, keep it all in front of you. They don't give up big plays. They're only giving up, I think, 1.1 plays of 30-plus yards, uh, which is like third best among teams that have played multiple games. So they are not giving up the big plays, and that's what Spavadol meant. You To move down the field against the BYU defense, you got to make a lot of short plays. And BYU, like you said, they they're, they're make you screw the game up. So that, I think, really stuck out uh, for me in terms of a uh, opposing coach evaluating how BYU plays. Yeah, a lot of great commentary in that. You should uh, check it out if you haven't. Uh, BYU fans, it's really good. BYU's offensive line has certainly had its way, and the defense has done a nice job as well. And now BYU matches up with Boise State. We've been talking about, yeah, just massive game, right? And I, I said earlier this week, Chris, that if Boise State had played this schedule, I think they'd be sitting at 7-0 ranked ninth. So I think it's a good uh, matchup and fight. I, I think if this were a boxing match, we'd be stoked, right? Um, and we are stoked about it. But what do you think of the Broncos versus the Cougars Friday night for, let's call it, it's just the Western non-Power 5 championship game? Yeah, I, I mean, shout out to the Mountain West for letting this game happen. Obviously, Boise State's only playing 
uh, seven Mountain West games, while most everybody except Air Force is going to play eight. So the Mountain West let this game happen, and I think it's good for the schools. It's good for college football. So I, I'm really glad it's happening. And, yeah, I mean, this is a game. It's a rivalry. They've played, you know, a number of years. They're going to keep playing in the future. Boise State, they've been so good for so long. Obviously, BYU is trying to get back. I'm, it, it, You know, Friday night games can sometimes be frustrating for the teams involved, especially this week when they had election day off. But I like that it's getting a national spotlight uh, without anything else interfering with it because it should be a great game. Uh, Boise State's got some questions in terms of injuries and who's available, but uh, I think this is really going to be a heavyweight fight, just like you said. Chris Vanini, college football insider, expert, and writer for The Athletic with us on BYU Sports Nation. Every BYU fan wants to know, what's the end game for BYU if they win out? They beat Boise State take care of business against North Alabama, and then beat San Diego State in December and finish 10-0. and What's the realistic ceiling for this BYU team? Is it a New Year's Six lock, Chris, or is it a college football playoff spot getting in through the back door at uh, number four? If, if they win out, I, I think there's a really good chance they make the New Year's Six as an at-large. Um, there's a group of five automatic qualifying spot among that group that BYU is not eligible for because they're an independent. But I do think... It'd be what nine and zero, I, I, no ten and zero. I, I think BYU should feel pretty good about making New Year's Six at that spot. I don't see the playoff happening. They need a lot to break their way. I mean, it helps that Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve. There's nobody undefeated left in the Big Twelve. Basically, BYU and, and Cincinnati, if they want to try to make that case, they need Alabama to win out and eliminate everybody else in the SEC. Um, hope hope Texas A&M drops a game as well, uh, probably against Auburn. You need Clemson to win out, knock out the ACC, knock out Notre Dame, and you want Ohio State to win out and knock out everybody else in the Big Ten. Because Big 12 doesn't have an undefeated team. Pac-12 is only going to be playing six, seven games, and and who knows how that's going to go. So a lot of things need to happen. Um, I think it's really an outside shot, but I do think undefeated puts you in the New Year's Six. And if you win that and go undefeated, I said it last time I was on the show, if BYU is 11-0, I mean, I, I'm on board with anybody claiming a national championship in that situation. So, you know, go wild. Hey, I'm going to put on the blue goggles for that one. I love that. <laughs> I love that. A little UCF 2017 action going on, right? Um, but let's address this. So Cincinnati, as the best group of five right now, uh, tremendous defense, tremendous team, right? Uh, ranked number six in the AP poll. In order for BYU to get into the New Year Six, do you think that um, – there can be two non-power fives in that. Like, technically, yes, but do you think that that will be a little crowded and that BYU may be rooting for Cincinnati to lose to at least kind of get out of the way of the non-power five good teams? Or or does that matter at all? Well, it's not going to matter because the group of five, no matter who it is, has a guaranteed spot in the New Year's Six Bowl. I think it's the Peach Bowl this year. Um, So if it was Cincinnati, if it was Boise State, if it was... Coastal Carolina or whoever, whoever is the highest ranked group of five champion automatically gets a New Year's Six spot. BYU has to get an at-large berth, you know, like like uh, like a number of teams to uh, get New Year's Six berth. So I don't think Cincinnati really is going to impact BYU in that sense. The only way they conflict with each other is the potential playoff spot like I laid out, but I think that's kind of a long shot anyway. Uh, but in terms of New Year's Six, uh, Cincinnati or whoever from the group of five is automatically getting a spot. So BYU is not really impacted by that. A columnist in West Virginia that covers Marshall football proposed that BYU and Marshall playing on November 28th would be a, quote, 
perfect matchup. What do you think of that idea of Marshall, another team in that group of five New Year's Six access hunt, taking on BYU, who's a top 10 team? I, I love it. Marshall's 5-0. and oh, They look quite good, and they've had a number of games get canceled and moved around because of everything going on. I think they only have three or four games left. They're, they're, they're playing a pretty short schedule, and I know Marshall uh, wanted to get some opponents, but now that they're pretty good, nobody in the Power Five wants to play them. So, I, I mean, as a fan, I would love BYU-Marshall. I'd absolutely love a matchup like that. If, if I'm BYU, I'm maybe not so sure because if you win these final three games, you're like I said, you're probably pretty set for a New Year's Six spot. So adding another game might hurt those chances and another opportunity for a loss. Uh, that's just kind of playing with the system. Personally, I think it'd be an awesome game, and I, I would love to see it. Yeah, we've been talking about the pros and cons of that, the risk-reward of would BYU need it? Because if they don't need it, you should not play that game. But uh, maybe they need it. I don't know. But it all kind of comes down to Friday. And uh, should we be thinking about Boise State a little more in this conversation? Right now it's like Cincy and everyone's just kind of Cincy only. If Boise State beats BYU and then they run the table and then Cincy loses and Marshall loses and – Coastal Carolina. Is Coastal Carolina really going to be the team? I mean, that's pretty awesome for them, the uh, Chanticleers. Where does Boise State fit in all this conversation? Yeah, we just we haven't talked about Boise State because they've only played two games. And if you beat a top 10 BYU team, that's immediately going to throw you up into the top 20 in the polls, maybe get close to the top 15, and, and off you go. So, yeah, we're, we're, just, we're not talking about Boise State because they haven't played, but they absolutely will have a chance with – you know, there's a, I mean, there's a chance that you could have a lot of, like last year, have a lot of group of five teams competing for that group of five spot. You know, Coastal Carolina still has to play Appalachian State. They still have the Sun Belt Championship. Marshall, there's not a ton of competition in the conference here today. Maybe they run the table. Maybe Cincinnati does. Maybe Cincinnati doesn't. And then Boise State went undefeated in the Mountain West last year. First year they ever did that. So, yeah, Boise State's definitely in that conversation. It's just like with a lot of these things, you know, the, the Big Ten came back two weeks ago, and they got all the attention for coming back. Nobody really realized the Mountain West came back. And now you throw the Pac-12 in coming back uh, this weekend. The Mountain West is going to get lost in the shuffle again. But if Boise State wins, that's a statement victory, and they're right back in the hunt, I think. Chris, we always enjoy your coverage. You do a fantastic job for those BYU fans that want to uh, read the article and hear what coaches or read what coaches have to say about BYU. How do they find it? Uh, just theathletic.com, go to the college football section, and it's right there near the front of the page. Chris Vanini, give him a follow, read his stuff. Thanks, Chris. Yep, thanks, guys. Chris Vanini on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Chris's unique angle is that he covers the group of five, which BYU isn't in but is very close to in terms of the conversation around where BYU fits. Obviously, the college football playoff is eight conversations that happening with BYU. But really, the impact of Cincinnati and BYU are sort of tied at the hip as the best non-Power 5 teams, right? So it's an interesting conversation. And like we said, San Diego State, better than you think. We'll see if they're undefeated when they come to Pro Bowl. Whoa, revenge game from 2019. And then uh, Boise State's interesting in this conversation. Marshall, Coastal Carolina. All of these matter in the conversation with BYU because they're trying to get an at-large bid in the near six against power five teams but the conversation with these teams BYU gets mixed in there whether you like it or not BYU gets mixed in the best of the rest conversation i would love nothing more than for san diego state to be seven and oh yes 
and playing in Provo as a nationally ranked team to add some just juicy context the to the, the final game at the end of the year. That'd be a bracket buster, if you will, as well. BYU's in a New yeah. Year's Six buster this Friday. They might have another one on December 12th. They, and that would be good for BYU's schedule. It really would. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Let's get to our prop picks results following BYU and Western Kentucky late Saturday night. Going into the weekend, Jason Shepard and Jerem Jordan had a two- and three-point lead over me, respectively. How does it shake out after? Number one. We asked over under six minutes into the first quarter before we hear the Zach Wilson, John Beck story, 10-hour drives to California. We all said over, and we were right. Of course, yeah. We told Beth to do it over. Just kidding. Over under one interception thrown by a quarterback in the game. It was only Zach Wilson that threw one. So you guessed push. I said over, Jason said under. So you get the point. One pick. It paid off. Finally. We didn't think it'd be from Zachary. My push, my push pick finally paid off. Your bush push. Number three. More Ryan Rico punts or Western Kentucky turnovers. <laughs> you and I both said Rico punts. Jason went with turnovers. That too was a push. One turnover by Western Kentucky. One Ryan Rico punt. Jason would have got that if Jackson Kafusi had picked off the pass, but he didn't. It was incomplete, and it was a turnover on downs. Will BYU have more rushing or receiving touchdowns? Who was receiving? Jerem said rushing. Yeah. Jerem said, said rushing and receiving. Anything. How many was it again? Three, four, three, four to one? Three to two? Three to two, I think. Can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, Zach uh, Wilson had one. Tyler Algier had one. So yep. two. Number five. Tyler Algier will average more or less than his season average of 6.3 yards per carry as he went into Saturday. We both said more. Yep. And it, looked, it looked good early. Until he get, got his uh, face mask ripped off, his helmet. Just, Come dude, on! Dude, is that like insta nose break? Just that direction? I mean, that's terrible. Jason picked less. It was 5.9, so he gets the point there. You and I have no points. Updated, I award you no points. You got, may God have mercy on you, soul. Updated prop pick standings. Jason leading the way with 22. Jeremy, you and I are now tied at 19 apiece. We are both pathetically in second place. Here we, got we go. Some, we got some work to do. Yo, let's go, man. Okay, last year, Tyler Algier led BYU, not in rushing against Boise State, but in tackles. He had nine solo tackles. This year, he's top 15 in the country in yards per carry and total yards, and he's doing a really nice job as the primary rusher for BYU. And here's my conversation inside the film room presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Tyler, you have two 100-yard games, then you have two where you have 93 and then 95 yards. How do we get you an extra carry there to get you over the hump? Honestly, just uh, just looking back at the film and then just uh, just seeing what I can do from that. Because there was a couple runs where I could have easily gotten 100, but made made a different read and then just that was that. Okay, let's talk about your touchdown from two yards out, opening drive, your seventh of the season. Walk me through what happened here. All right, so they loaded the box. The whole line was just doing their thing. They were throwing guys, so they just had a, they just left me an open gap, and then I just needed to beat one guy, and then boom, touchdown. What's it like to get into the end zone seven times? You know, it's, it's all right. It's always, it's always fun scoring in the end zone, but all, the, all my success goes to the linemen. 
because they they worked their butt off just to get us there. Okay, later in the first quarter, your longest rush of the game, a 32-yarder. Why get one yard when you could get 32, right? <laughs> no, exactly. Third and short, play is designed. There's no one continuing outside. Everyone did a great job blocking, and then I just needed one guy to miss. Tried to make that happen, and then I ended up getting caught. Do your eyes get big, and does your heart quicken when you see a gap like that on the outside? Oh, for sure. I just saw like, dang, it's so open. There's always someone right there. So, boom, there's someone right there, and then they just ended up trailing me. There's always After someone. I stop. Oh, exactly. Right before the half, second and nine, you're rushing the ball, and your helmet gets ripped off. That looked like it really hurt. What happened on that play? I think he should have went outside of James, but I ended up making the cut, feeling him, and then someone just grabbed my helmet, and then that's what kind of made the mark. I think that second hit is what made the scratch, maybe. Honestly, it, it didn't hurt as bad as people thought it did, but it was, it was still kind of a shock. Where, where did you get scratched? Yeah, uh, I think you see it. You can, you can kind of zoom in. Mm. Like right there. Oh, yeah, like that's pretty obvious. You, co- you come no out, question. but then you play in the second half. Was there any question that you were going to be able to come back out? Uh, no. Yeah, no question. Just just wanted to make sure I was good, and then, yeah, I went back in. Okay, a matchup of two ranked teams, a short week at Boise State. What do you think of the matchup, which is a really big one on Friday night? You know, Boise State is consistently good and should be an exciting game. You know, it's a short week, short week, so we just got to learn from our mistakes and then just get our minds right just for just for Boise. Well, good luck on the blue, and thanks for joining me in the film room. Appreciate it. Tyler O'Jay's done such a good job. Seven rushing touchdowns, averaging 6.5 yards per carry this year. I mean, he's been awesome. His vision is unexpectedly amazing. Yeah. right. And, given given the, the position changes. And it's even more obvious that he's good than me missing that he was scratched on his forehead. <laughs> hey, where'd you get scratched? Well, it's, it's this big yeah. red mark right here that's, all over my cheek. Not so much here, here, but here, right? Uh, <laughs> but I... I couldn't tell if that was a hair or I was like, oh, have I not noticed a birthmark like Drew Brees and Oprah Winfrey or whatever? But And then he says it and zoom in. I'm like, oh, oh, oh yeah. All good, man. Love you. All good. For Tuesday's top five, naturally, bearing down on BYU-Boise State, we want to relive the greatest moments in this now established rivalry. It has no, been no we don't. I, th- I think it's established now. BYU moments. We're not doing both sides. Presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. <laughs> Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Okay, number five. These are BYU moments. This is BYU TV. 2004, Matt Payne brought the boom against Boise State. Punt return to Chris Carr. Not once, but twice in the same game. Who knows if this is targeting today, but it was incredible. He later misses a would-be game-winning field goal, but let's forget about that part. Payne had 25 career tackles, by the way. He shoots up and just lays the wood oh. against Chris Carr. I mean, that was incredible. And then, okay, this is not a replay. This is a different play. <laughs> In the third quarter, after BYU stalls early on, Chris Carr's like, I'm getting past this guy again. No, you're not! Pain train! So Pain awesome. train! Probably targeting today, but who cares? I love it. Hit love the BYU lost the game by one, but love the play. Number four, rewind to last year. BYU with your typical double reverse flea flicker, whatever you want to call it. It ends in a 39-yard touchdown catch from Matt Bushman. His second touchdown in a two-minute span. BYU's up 28-10. to 10. They were 2-4 and four playing with their third-string quarterback. They would hold on to win 28-25, spoiling Boise State's bid at a perfect season and all that money in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Number three. 
One of the best interception returns you'll ever see. Fred Warner at Boise State, 2016, one of six takeaways for the defense that, that night. Cougars still lost, but this was amazing. He avoids nine Broncos. In fact, he avoids everyone with Boise State, all the fans, everybody. Flag on the play. Did, didn't matter. He, sh- he should have gone out of bounds three times there. Dives for the touchdown. This is unbelievable. Brett Rippon, still in the NFL, by the way, throws his pick. Fred Warner considered by several people the best linebacker in the NFL best now. Best backer in ball. Thank you, Tony Romo. Number two, record-setting moment for wide receiver Cody Hoffman. In the largest BYU victory of the BYU Boys State Series, Hoffman is his 31st career touchdown catch, passing Austin Colley atop the list. Hoffman hit this mark just one week after breaking Dennis Pitta's record for career receptions. <laughs> Dennis. Hoffman holds the record at BYU for receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. Well done. Cody Hoffman's the man. From Taysom Hill, by the way. Pretty awesome. And the number one moment is an incredible moment. 2015 freshman quarterback Tanner Mangum, fresh off the Nebraska Hail Mary, plays the team he rooted for growing up in Eagle. Another miracle heave on fourth and seven to Mitchell Jurgens, the shortest man on the field. Starman catches the ball. BYU takes the lead. Then the punctuation. Kainakua with his third pick of the game. Manuel Pikula celebrates right there, doesn't run up and help. But Kainakua says, you know where I'm going? Where mama keeps the cookies. <laughs> Touchdown! <laughs> and the rapture almost ensued. Oh, the hype. The hype. So awesome. So loud. That is one of the greatest moments in Lavelle Edwards Stadium history. Yes. I mean, I mean it's it's got to be top five, top ten. It's somewhere in there. Pretty awesome. Getting chills thinking about kind it. Kind of cool guy. again. As many cookies as you want. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Oh, I'm going to try and maintain focus here. (laughs) Jerem, what BYU Cougar not named Zach Wilson needs to be a difference maker in the game tonight against Boise State? Uh, It needs to be Jared Jacobs. No, it needs to be Tyler Algier. Six and a half yards to carry, seven touchdowns. Remember, Air Force ran for 415, 6.6 per carry. I think Tyler Algier's got an opportunity to go for 100-plus and establish the run game tonight. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it needs to be a BYU running back. I don't care if it's Tyler Algier or Lopini Katoa. BYU just needs to take advantage of that offensive line and get the run game going or the screen game to Lopini Katoa. That's where they can really start to emerge and show their advantage over Boise State. Who should be more bugged, BYU fans about the ticket situation or the Boise State fans about the BYU fans' reaction? Because we got a lot of reaction on Twitter yesterday from Boise State fans. Well, clearly, Boise State fans are more bugged. Whether they need to be, I don't know. But, man, that made for some entertaining reading last night on social media. At one point, I was called a blonde kid. Who's the blonde kid? I'm flattered that I was called a kid on Twitter, Jerem. Your mentions were hot as well. I don't think either side should really care that much, but it still kind of irks me that no BYU parents were given any tickets to get into the stadium to watch their game. It just seems weird. Yeah, I know it's only 1,100, but at least some tickets would have been nice. Completely excluding BYU is still Bush League. 
go ahead and tweet at me, at Jerem Jordan, J-A-R-O-M. <laughs> oh, Jerem, I know you're excited for what I'm about to bring up. USA Today and Dan Wolken wrote an article in today's edition about BYU's scheduling philosophy. He agrees with you, Jerem, in the quoted article. Jerem, is this the most validating moment of your broadcast and BYU Sports Nation career? Well, you forgot to mention I was in the article, which is fun. Um, it is very validating. Yet, the most validating thing will be if BYU actually strategizes differently in the future. That would be validating. Otherwise, it's just me chirping from this rammy umptum. You're quoted in USA Today, man. That's awesome. That's cool. I just, I need you to get the t-shirt, though. Like, you need to make t-shirts and sell them at jeremjordan.com. The schedule is too hard. Do it. There'll be seven. Do pe- it. There'll be seven people that buy the t-shirts. It won't be profitable. I promise. <laughs> hey, it's seventy bucks more than you have. Let's go. That's true. I can. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Mark Pope <laughs> says the hoops non-conference schedule is close to being released, but the Cougars could possibly play six games in nine days. Is that a good thing? I don't know if it's a good thing, but I like it as a fan. I'm like, oh yeah, man, six games in nine days, fantastic. Let's let's go. To quote Mark Pope, let's go, baby. I don't know if it's good for the team, but I, I like it. How do you feel about it? This schedule? That's what he might say. Uh, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't like the idea of six and nine logistically for the guy's legs, right? Uh, but it's it's COVID, and maybe if you have to play a bunch just to do it. And you may have an issue later and you don't know, like, okay, you maybe need to do that. If BYU and the WCC end up bubbling, there might be a chance where BYU's playing three in a week anyway. So that'd be six in two weeks. Um, Yeah, might as well. Just get the games in that you can get. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We all hoped that it would come to this, and here we are. BYU number nine in the country. Nine has come, Jerem. How about that? And uh, number 10, which was told was uh, on the way as well from a certain fan base, also happened last week. Well, let's see what happens. (laughs) The Cougars take on number 21, Boise State. Top 25 showdown on the blue. BYU's never beaten the Broncos in Boise. So this would mark, with everything on the line, the biggest game for BYU football since when? It's a good question because there have been big games. You could say 09 Oklahoma and uh, 08 uh, TCU. BYU didn't win certain games, like Florida State 09 as well. BYU didn't win some of those games, or they didn't didn't lead to anything that was beyond like a two-loss season, so we don't think about those per se. But, I mean, you could literally tell me anything besides winning the national championship and a non-game thing, winning the Heisman, by the way. Those are the two biggest moments in BYU history. One of those happens to be tied to a game that BYU had to win, say, every one in 84. You could say the Holiday Bowl in 84. If you told me biggest game since Cotton Bowl, I'll nod my head and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Since 09 Oklahoma, yeah, 84, yeah. Like, I, th- I think because of what this game could mean, if BYU wins it, goes undefeated, goes to a New Year's Six, you could argue this is, you know, you, we'll put this up there with one of the greatest BYU football seasons of all time. It won't be the number one. BYU's not going to win the national championship. But it could be argued that it could be number two. So I'll go for literally any answer besides winning the national championship. 
and Ty Detmer winning the Heisman. I'm thinking about the last time this type of pressure was on BYU specifically to win a game against a team that is ranked yet ranked lower than BYU. And I go all I have the a thought way back on why that is. to the 1996 WAC championship game in Las Vegas. BYU was number six. Wyoming was number 20. This is back in the 16-team WAC, which uh, just the worst didn't work very well. Yeah. But BYU had to win this game to put themselves in contention for what they hoped at the time was a bowl alliance invitation. And if not a bowl alliance invite, a big-time bowl game. BYU needed to validate itself against a top-25 team that was ranked late in the season. I know they beat Texas A&M. I'm on the, the field season. right there, like in the front row I'm running on. My first trip to Las Vegas ever was that trip. Nice. And you've never been back since. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of times. For work or otherwise. <laughs> BYU at number six, Wyoming number 20. To me, this feels like that, where it's like, okay, BYU is going to be a slight favorite in this game. We expect them to do something that they haven't done in Boise. The, the expectation is for BYU to go and win this game and maintain the trajectory for the New Year's Six. This, to me, feels like the last time BYU was really in the running for a New Year's Six game this late in the season. Because BYU against TCU in 2009, it wasn't quite that late. And BYU had already lost the game to Florida State. Yeah, and, and game day was here, so they thought it was a big deal. That, that was a massive game, but BYU doesn't compete well in that game, right? Gets, gets they were the underdog in that game. Yeah, and they should have been. TCU was ranked eighth, Absolutely. undefeated. Yeah. BYU is the favorite here. So, yeah, I go back to 96. And then when BYU gets the invite to the Cotton Bowl after they beat Wyoming dramatically in overtime at Sam Boyne Stadium, then the pressure is, okay, well, you beat Wyoming, but can you beat one of the big boys? Right, the newly formed Big 12. Can you beat Kansas State and it's in a co- de facto road game at the Cotton Bowl? Right, the Cotton Bowl is not included in the Bowl Alliance. BYU didn't get in. They were on the outside. Yet, Kansas State was a, what, top 20 team, top 15 team at the time. So that was a validating win. I'm hoping that's what BYU has is they don't they, – they play Boise State, and this is a validating win that would get BYU into a New Year's Six potentially. And then BYU would have to prove itself against a big boy. And by a big boy, we're talking probably about a Power 5 at-large team, right? Unless BYU plays Cincinnati or something in Fiesta. We'll just kind of see what happens. Look at Chad Lewis, the original Mason Wake, right? I'm interested to see what happens here because BYU is certainly good. We don't exactly know how good. They have taken care of business. They have defeated every team on the schedule so far. And by the way, I believe that Boise State, if they had played the same schedule BYU played, that that Boise State would be 7-0 ranked ninth. So just because they're ranked differently doesn't mean BYU is a better team. In fact, I think Boise State is as good as BYU based on the two games. It's just low volume. And they're Boise State, dude. This is, they win. They win a ton. Remember last year, they lost two games. The first one was in Provo, and then they lost the bowl game. Was it to Washington? I, th- I think they got blown out by Washington. So Boise State's good, man. And they had some notable injuries, which we'll address. A home underdog. Weird. Does not happen very often. Okay. Uh, and to your point, Jerem, a lot of great options coming in. Hashtag BYUSN if you want to join that conversation. All right, last night on ESPN, Kirk Herbstreet of ESPN, of course, uh, was asked who he'd take between undefeated BYU, Cincinnati, and 7-0 and Oregon at the end of the season for a potential playoff spot. He chose the Cougars. It's a good thing he did the Navy game. He saw BYU in person. He's been impressed ever since. Spencer, do you agree with Kirk? 
Yes, Jerem, I forgot my blue goggles, but I do agree with Kirk <laughs> in the specific case of Oregon. The extra late start and, frankly, lack of games and visibility for the Ducks really hurts their perception. It's such a weird scenario for the entire Pac-12, including what we think is going to be their best team. Now, if BYU can bolster their resume by beating what we think will finish as the top two teams in the Mountain West Conference, Boise State and San Diego State, that's going to help the Cougars' case while Oregon really is just getting started, it feels like. Uh, And as you mentioned, Jeremy, BYU played in front of Kirk Herbstreet and Reese Davis. They did so in a Monday Night Football scenario. They impressed him early, so he has been watching them extra closely with this magnified lens, and he's clearly liking everything that he's seen, whereas Oregon hasn't played a game, so Kirk doesn't really have anything to go off of. So right now it's understandable that BYU's top of mind for him. We'll see what happens if Oregon gets to like 4-0 or 5-0 and they're dominating, if his rhetoric will change at all as it relates to BYU. But right now the head start is just too much to overcome for a team like Oregon when is going to have played those eight games before they even kick off their season. As for Cincinnati, I don't know about that one because Cincinnati is right now ranked higher than BYU. They play a tougher schedule than BYU, and they are really approaching the meat of their schedule. they got to play Houston this week. they got to play UCF the week after. They can make some more statement wins. That's going to be tough for BYU to overcome in the rankings because I feel like Cincinnati right now is clearly respected. They've got an amazing defense. I think Cincinnati needs to lose a game for BYU to be that undefeated non-Power 5 team with the best shot to get into the college football playoffs. So I agree with them in the sense of Oregon for perception matters, but Cincinnati, I think BYU needs them to lose a game before the Cougars really start to feel like, yeah, we're, we're the team that's the best non-P5 team, and we deserve it more than a Pac-12 team that has only played seven games. Yeah, I don't agree with Kirk, um, and I work for Brigham. Uh, I think that an undefeated Oregon will still be interesting because they will have played seven power fives, right? Granted, they don't play a tough schedule. They're playing the north, and then they're playing UCLA from the south. Interesting that if uh, Oregon doesn't play in the Pac-12 title game, they will play a, another game, by the way, um, the day after the Pac-12 title game. That's, that's interesting, right? Stanford's not as good. Wazoo, Nick Rolovich, different setup. UCLA, always overrated, as you mentioned. Oregon State, always stinks. Cal, mediocre. Washington can be good, but that's kind of the only game, right? So an undefeated Oregon, and are we talking 6-0 instead of 7-0, I guess? It's, it's interesting. It's interesting, right? Cincinnati, you brought it up. They're ranked higher than BYU. Cincinnati deserves this conversation. They really do. BYU is a team that's won 18 games the last three years and really struggled. Cincinnati's 27-5 and the last two-ish years, including this one. They are one of the best non-Power 5 programs that exist. And they've, they are undefeated. They weren't the best non-Power 5 last year. That was Memphis, but uh, I believe Cincinnati lost in the AAC title game. Like you mentioned, they have a tougher schedule than BYU. If Cincinnati is undefeated, they are a better prospect for the college football playoff than BYU would be. So like you said, Cincinnati needs to lose. They do. And I believe that BYU is a better prospect in that than anybody else, right? It's, it's really on the outsiders of the Power Five. It's really Cincy or BYU or no one else. There's Coastal Carolina, 
Marshall, even Boise State, none of these teams will really get a shot at the playoff. I don't even really believe that BYU in the playoff is a realistic thing. I'm talking that they actually get in. The conversation, yeah, they should be in the conversation. They're an undefeated team. Why not? Like UCF in 2017 should have been in the conversation. They should not have been in the playoff, and they weren't, but at least in the conversation. BYU right now, according to ESPN, 14% chance to get in. We talked about that number yesterday. You feel like that's a little bit too high. I feel like it's probably fair right now. If BYU beats Boise State this weekend, will that number jump up for you, Jerem? And I know I'm throwing you kind of a bonus question here, but would, would that percentage at least get to 14 or maybe go a little bit higher if the Cougars win at Boise for the first time ever? I don't really care what the number is because I don't think BYU is going to get in. You could say it's 100. It's whatever. <laughs> like, that's exciting and awesome. I just don't think the system's set up for a non-Power 5 team. And listen, BYU's schedule, if you think it's being scrutinized now, just wait until that actual conversation. You can't play zero Power 5s, zero, and be like, yeah, we deserve to be in the playoff. I just don't think that's the case. New Year's 6 is awesome. Listen, a New Year's 6 is a better house than BYU's ever lived in, right? And you can't get greedy and go, well, actually, we want the mansion up the canyon. <laughs> like, New Year's Six would be incredible, and that would be awesome. Let, yeah, let the conversation continue about BYU. Let the Heisman conversation about Zach Wilson continue. I don't believe either of those things will actually happen, but it's awesome that, that it's being discussed. I'm enjoying this. Yeah, the one thing that we all need to keep in mind with the Pac-12 is we're assuming that everything is going to go as planned. And well, that and with BYU schedule. no covid scenarios and with the byus uh in their defense uh, and in their case they've already they've already played seven games and are going to play an eight tomorrow night we hope the pac-12 has zero room for error we're already seeing wisconsin be impacted one of the best teams in the big 10 by a covid scenario so if someone in the pac-12 has a flare-up or if it's oregon or washington or utah or whoever this could derail the entire Pac-12 scenario. They need everything to go off without a hitch for their, to have any hope of getting a fourth team into the college football playoffs. So that is advantage BYU as well. But they're still behind a team like Cincinnati, as we just discussed, who, who clearly has a stronger schedule and right now a stronger resume. BYU needs some help from Cincinnati, and frankly, they need Texas A&M to lose. They need Georgia uh, to lose to Alabama again. They need the top three to run the table. So all those dominoes need to fall into place for BYU to at least be on the outside as the number five or six team with a, hey, we're undefeated, look at us, case. Yeah, and this would resurrect, uh, what, 96, 2001. We've been there, done that, where BYU doesn't get included. And, I, yeah, it's, it's all good. New Year's Six, there's at least an expanded area where BYU can show up. Uh, and feel like, hey, we got invited to the party, and it's all good, right? And by the way, you know what the Pac-12's issue is? It's USC. If USC was good, they'd be right in the conversation, right? It's it's Oregon, and then it's nobody else, right? It's USC's fault the last few years that the Pac-12 has become irrelevant. I really feel that way. Washington going 2016 to the playoff, getting blown out by Alabama. That didn't help. Oregon losing against Auburn. That didn't help either, uh, you know, in the national title game, and that one was close, but... Yeah, tough stuff for, uh, for USA. Yeah, the L.A. market is a big deal, and uh, when USC's churning, that, that West Coast market can kind of gain some ground and some relevance in the national conversation. 
Jeremy, if you like that voice in that conversation. Prepare yourself for an H-bomb. Yeah, let's go. As in hypothetical bomb. It's also our question of the day. You can guarantee one win in the following scenario. Yeah. A win over Boise State on Friday night on the blue. Mm Mm-hmm. Or a win against Utah in 2021. Which are you taking and why? There's no question whatsoever. There's one choice for this. The other is wrong. It's Boise State. Thank you. It's Boise State. Thank you. Because this win would make a massive splash nationally. BYU would continue to be in the New Year's Six conversation. I don't believe it's true, but in the college football playoff conversation, Heisman, Zach, everything's going great. Winning over Utah next year just satisfies an emotional rivalry craving, which, listen, I understand. I've, I've said Utah in this situation a lot before when we did preseason 2017 against LSU or Utah. <laughs> that season didn't end up going as well as we wanted. But right now, BYU has great stakes. Perhaps if BYU does get invited to a Power 5 league, we may look at this win as the final domino. Turning point. Perhaps. I think BYU is what it is, whether they have a season like this or not, but this certainly would validate what BYU is competitively, at least against the best of the rest, right? Um, or some of the rest. So it's Boise State, no question. Oh, man. It, thank you. Just thank you for bringing the logic to this conversation. I do every dang day. It is not close. <laughs> this is not even a debate. I'm taking Boise State 100 times out of 100 because it's about the moment and what's on the line right now. Utah won't even play a game until BYU has played eight. Does anybody care right now that Utah has beaten BYU nine times in a row? Does anybody care other than a BYU fan who's frustrated who keeps hearing it from his Utah fan? Anybody in the national media that has a prominent voice that wants BYU or thinks BYU is going to be the New Year's Six or the ESPN guys that have BYU in their college football playoff conversation, do they care at all that Utah has beaten BYU nine times in a row? No. I'm, I'm pretty sure all these mock drafts really care about No, it has no impact. Yeah. The Cougars have more on the line on Friday night than they have probably, well, for me, since 1996, since they were number five in playing Kansas State. You could State argue the Cotton 84. Bowl. Yeah, maybe even 1984. Bowl, right? Like, crazy. Don't let the emotions of a nine-game losing streak that is in the past sway you from guaranteeing a boatload of money that independent BYU want to share with anybody else in a conference and to help get through a pandemic scenario where money's weird, right? And an outside shot at the college football playoff. Also, if BYU goes to a New Year's Six, in a way, isn't that like beating Utah? Because the Utes, since leaving for the Pac-12, have not been to a New Year's Six game. They've had two chances. And they lost both. Since going to the mighty Pac-12, Utah's not played in a New Year's Six game. If BYU gets there before them in that scenario, that's a victory for BYU fans. 100%. Absolutely. That is a massive win over Utah with, without beating Utah. <laughs> without actually beating them. Yes, without it's a actually victory without Utah. actually beating them. And what it took was a new schedule. <laughs> I have won the war. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Hey, returning to the show, 
longtime Zach Wilson fan and oh, yeah. true blue BYU Sports Nation amigo. Cam Meller, an NFL draft insider from SB Nation, joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Cam, welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for having me back. It feels like it's been a little too long. It feels like we've gone too many amazing Zach throws without uh, having me on. But, you know, I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. We'll have some more on Friday, I guarantee. Cam, how is the view from the front of the BYU football hype train right now? Oh, it's clear and beautiful. And it's just, I, you know, the steam behind us is just kind of crazy, in my opinion. There's too many members on the train at this point. It's getting a little loud. But, you know, I wouldn't have it any, any other way at this point of the season. Okay. I think it was – when did this all start? Was it last summer you talked about Zach's uh, season and you said, okay, there were nine picks, but only three were his fault or something. And we were like, well, what? And we broke down, that down. And it was like, okay, Cam is at the front of the Zach Wilson hype train. Now, we thought that he would yeah. be improved, healthier, junior, third year in the same system with the same OC. But what he's done this year is beyond our wildest expectations. Did you expect this level of Zach Wilson? No, and I think I can put that nicely. I expected more of the high-level play with less of the low-level play, so to speak. There were those moments. I mean, we all saw it last year where, you know, he looked like he forced throws. It looked like he took a little bit too much off throws at times or was not fully in tune with the offense. I did not expect all of those to go away over a stretch of seven games like that, like we've seen from him so far. And so it's warranted this hype train. Uh, it's warranted that we've seen this now two years in a row with the quarterbacks that were off of the NFL draft board, so to speak, or a long shot. Eventually, when they came out, Joe Burrow rises to number one. Zach, we're seeing now it transformed into Zach as a potential day two guy. And now people I've seen, day, you know, top five picks at this point that we're talking for Zach. So, I mean, it's getting a little crazy. It's getting a little awesome, to be honest, though. Cam, what level of vindication do you feel in regard to Zach Wilson after telling us he's a surefire NFL quarterback when, let's face it, you face some heat and Zach defenders face some heat last year after an inconsistent season? Yeah, the my heart is full of vindication at this point, I think. I think it's, there's, there's no better way to put it besides that. I, I love the kid. I love his level of play that he's shown this year, but I just – the great throws that you saw, those are throws that are not a college quarterback making those throws. That's last year, the year before. It's this year, every game. It's NFL throws, and that's the vindication I think stems there is that it's this isn't just a meteoric rise through seven games. This is sustainable play that he can have at the next level as a starting quarterback. Which is gnarly because when you think about it, we're talking about an incompletion he threw on Saturday like it was a completion. <laughs> like that's the le- – right? The throw to Keanu Hill – he steps up in the pocket. He made a he made a similar throw against USC to Gunnar Romney, but it was underthrown. This time it's perfectly placed. Keanu Hill doesn't make the catch. He will in the next couple of years, right? But, I mean, people are, people are noticing. So what is it about his ability to make off-platform throws and different angles that is impressing people at every level now? It's the ball placement. You know, you can make those throws. You can sling it. You, we've seen it. Take Josh Allen, for instance, in the NFL. The guy has the biggest arm, the best arm, maybe besides Patrick Mahomes. And if they may, maybe they're tied, what separates him and Mahomes is that Allen does not place those balls perfectly off platform. Mahomes has these moments, you know, an underhand hook, or he's throwing these lob shots that he's perfectly placing and throwing receivers open. Zach has that this season. And it's those moments that, that were there last year. I mean, the Hawaii game last year, the pick that he threw that was perfectly placed into the receiver's hands that bet, clanged off the face mask, essentially. That was a pure placement, NFL-level placement throw, and that's, I think, what has to be taking people aback. Everybody knew he had the zip, he had the arm strength, he had the mobility, he had the athleticism, 
This year, though, it's off-platform throws that are perfectly placed to where only his receivers have the chance to make catches. Cam Miller, NFL Draft Insider for SB Nation with us on BYU Sports Nation. Where does Zach Wilson rank right now among the elite quarterbacks like Clemson's Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields of Ohio State, and Mac Jones of Alabama? He's right there with them. I think they each do something very particularly, extremely well, very particularly a little bit different, though. Fields gets knocked because people want to call him this dual threat. He's actually a pure, amazing pocket passer who is probably, besides Dylan Gabriel at UCF, the best pure passer to the outside of the numbers. Lawrence, we all know Lawrence is Lawrence. Mac Jones is right there with Zach as the best deep thrower in college football, but Zach's doing it with no knock to the receivers he's got, but he's not doing it with five-star kids that are going to be the top 10 picks at receivers. So Zach being a pure, he's up there. I mean, he's probably third behind Lawrence and Fields, in my opinion, as a college football player, NFL draft pick, and just overall quarterback this level. So that's definitely first round. Let's talk about this because what Zach is doing seems somewhat tied to BYU's relevance. So if BYU was four and three, we're not talking about Zach in the same ilk, probably. But if if BYU does stumble at some point, do you still feel like if Zach's playing at a high level, he'll be first round regardless? How like the ceiling is high, but it feels like at worst he'd be a day two guy, maybe. At worst, they'd have to lose, I think, every game on the schedule, and they would have to be Zach's fault at this point for him to fall out of the first round, I think. I think that there is enough on the board right now from these first few weeks, these first throws, the first seven games, that he's done enough, in my opinion, that if he sat down and didn't play another down of football, that's it for him. He's already in. He'll have a combine. He'll have a whole lot of information that he can also then talk to the coaches. What quarterback coach, what GM, what head coach is not going to be impressed when they actually have the interviews with him too. So he's done enough, I think, to continue and stay in that first round no matter what happens. What questions or concerns uh, are there about Zach at this point as it pertains to the NFL? I think just injuries and whether or not it's that continuity in the offense that we've seen him. It's not ever guaranteed that a coordinator stays the same. We saw a kid like Jameis Winston you know, five OCs in five years, and it never stuck for him. That's why he's no longer with the Bucks. He's a backup in New Orleans. Like, we've seen that. So I think continuity in offense, how quickly he can pick up a playbook with meetings, but then the injury health as well. I think you got to make sure, you know, do the due, due diligence to make sure that he's fully intact, so to speak, but also ready to go at the next level. The NFL draft talk is very exciting for Zach Wilson, his family, BYU fans. Albeit, some BYU fans are hoping that he comes back to BYU for another it, year. That ain't happening. That ain't happening. <laughs> Yes, for selfish reasons. But in the here and now, it's the Heisman conversation, Cam. So what does Zach need to do to secure status as a Heisman finalist? He needs a little bit of help. He needs some of those amazing deep downfield throws to be caught. He needs a couple of more 65-yard bombs that he's throwing in the air on on a rope to his receivers to be caught. He needs a few more of those, I think. I think he also needs to run through this Boise state team. And then he needs to look into December and run through that talented San Diego state defense too. So I think that we're on, we're at this point now that it's there. The he's secured an invite to New York in non COVID times when, you know, you could do that and have your families there in the Wilsons are in New York at this point. It's just a matter of making sure he stays relevant through the talented defenses that he's got on the rest of the schedule and getting, you know, maybe a couple of, couple of catches on some of those pretty awesome throws downfield. Maybe it's a Zoom call this year, you know. Maybe it's a virtual New York experience. I hope it's actual, but uh, I'm I'm wondering about that. And then quarantining, and eh, it's probably virtual, right? But I, I want to ask you about uh, his throw. So 
He's had so many that were crazy impressive. What's the one that really sticks out for you that if you could only show one play of Zach Wilson to make your point as the leader of the Zach Wilson hype train, what is it? It's it's the one against Texas State where he's crossing, he's almost to the numbers at the 50. And I had an argument with Ryan Leaf about how far it was. And we went into the Pythagorean theorem about how many <laughs> yards in the air that thing was. Ryan Leaf said it was 50. It was actually 63. They did the whole thing on the broadcast, yeah. how far it was. It's that. It's 63 and a half. I said 65, but that's just because of maybe where he released it. Well, look, we can, you can discuss that at any moment. Needless to say, if it was the price is right, I would have been over. But any other normal thing, I was a little bit closer than Ryan Leaf's 50 yards. So it's that <laughs> throw against Texas State where he just uncorks that beautiful pass. I mean, that's, it doesn't get much better than that. Cam, let's put you on record for Zach Wilson and BYU here. If you so dare, make a case for BYU to make the college football playoff as the fourth team. Cincinnati has to lose. I think that's where we're at. I think Cincinnati has to lose. Cincinnati has maybe the best defense in the group of five that we've seen ever in the group of five defense. This is a very talented defense. They win where you need to win in college football this year, this level, this generation. If they lose, they still have the meat of their schedule and a very talented UCF team that's given them trouble in the past. So I think they need to lose, but lose probably pretty handily. And I think at that point, you're looking at a team that's jumping into the top five and has every every right to be in the conversation for the college football playoff. You live in Ohio. What's the vibe there as it pertains to Cincinnati? Because maybe there's going to be two teams from Ohio. Yeah. Uh, so I li- I've lived in Cincinnati. I live in Columbus now. Nobody cares about the Bearcats. I, I, <laughs> I like them. I love going to Nippert. Nippert's a fun stadium. It's a fun venue. You know, you walk into the stadium and walk down. It's really cool. You feel like you're surrounded by the team and the city. It's really neat, but nobody cares. I mean, that's why Fickle will be gone, in my opinion, at the end of the year. It's all Ohio State. You know, there was when the Big Ten season was canceled, I can't tell you how many people I talked to that said, well, I'm not watching college football this season. And then, you know, Big Ten comes back, and all of a sudden you see nothing but scarlet and gray everywhere. (laughs) Okay, BYU and Boise State, and we'll finish with this Friday night. Massive matchup, obviously. Uh, Winning at Boise State is respected by everybody nationally. It's so hard to do that. Um, What what do you think BYU needs to do to come out with a win in that one? Zach will play a great game. I'm not worried about their secondary. I honestly think the biggest mismatch so far is their defensive front. Their front seven has allowed – Utah State to run and look like an okay team. They allowed, what, almost seven yards a carry against Air Force. So, obviously, I know Air Force is their rushing attack. They do their thing. But to allow seven, almost seven yards a carry, uh, you know, this offensive line should manhandle that front four and even get to the second level pretty easy. So, I like both running backs to have a big game. And Zach even maybe in some design carries, too. So, I, I like, you know, that's probably the biggest underrated mismatch for this BYU team. Cam, we're working on getting you a Zach Wilson figurine to add to your collection back there process is uh ongoing so stand by for that fair enough he'd go right he'd go very well right next to kramer i had my byu stickers i got the byu flag i got the signed poster i got it all here uh, you know people probably think i, I went there or something i don't know when they see they see my yard sign it's pretty cool just start telling people you're a mormon you're, they'll believe you <laughs> cam thanks I'm for uh, thanks for joining the program man great to catch up with you we'll do it again soon Thanks for having me, as always, guys. You got a Cam Meller of SB Nation on the <laughs> Deseret on- First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show up. He's how. on board. Just, yeah, I went on a mission to uh, Guatemala. Yeah, I went to BYU. Yeah. Got a poli sci. He fit right in, man. <laughs> we'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. 
The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Boise State, know the foe. Time for that. Presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. All right, Ben Bagley, what's up? All right, guys, it's time to do Boise State Know the Foe, your favorite time every week. And today, the law firm of Franklin and Franklin in the break decided that Spencer, you'll get to go first. Nice. They also mentioned that there were complaints filed by you two that these questions are too hard, so I simplified the first four to really? just true or false. We didn't say that, just so everyone knows. Harder the better. There we go. All right, true or false, Spencer. The field at Boise State has been the cause of death of birds, which mistakenly took the field as a large body of water and crashed into the field, causing their death. True. That is false. It is a oh, urban myth. Everyone talks about that like it's true. It's not. Not true. Sorry, not. Spencer. No point for you. <laughs> but it's hilarious. All right, Jerem. True or false? There is a rule on the NFL books called the Boise rule which prohibits any NFL stadium to have anything but green playing surfaces. I'll go true on this. That is a fact. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The NFL says, oh, no, we're not going there. Yeah, and and let's talk about this because there are other colored fields in college football. Eastern Washington is red. Um, Coastal Carolina is an awful teal. It's like a teal. Gray. And then there's a purple. There's a purple field. Who has the purple field? I can't remember. Weber State. No, that's not true. (laughs) <laughs> false. False, yes. Two points for Jerem. Spencer, uh, true or false, Boise State holds a U.S. trademark on any non-green athletic field. This is true, Ben. <laughs> what? It they is do? true. Yes. Are you serious? In I know 2009, this. In 2009, they got a trademark for just the blue field, and in 2010, extended it to all non-green athletic fields. We're in the wrong business. Yeah. Yes, but okay. they, they have been nice enough that they've kind of let anybody use it, like other colored fields, obviously, to establish But that. they get they, paid for it. They hold the trademark. Okay, by the way, it's Central Arkansas, yes. an FCS team that has the purple field. All right, so, Jerem, you lead currently. Let's go to, uh, let's see, you know, Spencer got that one right, so we're tied. Jerem, we're going from true yes. or false to a yes or no question. Before making it big on Breaking Bad, Aaron Paul, a.k.a. Jesse Pinkman, from oh. Boise was a contestant on The Price is Right and made it all the way to the Showcase Showdown. Did he win? <sighs> I know he was on The Price is Right. I know this. But I don't know <laughs> I don't know if he won or not. I'll say he didn't win. Correct. He overbid his showcase by just $132. <sighs> I love it. He, he also lost his pricing game. But if you've seen the YouTube of it, it's yeah. fantastic. It's, it's, he's very excited. We're going to tweet it out, by the way. <laughs> All right, Spencer, no more no more yes or no's or cho- but multiple choice. Which of the following is not a top five attraction in Boise? According to who? TripAdvisor.com. Okay, okay. Is it the Boise River Greenbelt, the Simplot Potato Farm Museum, the Old Idaho Penitentiary, <laughs> the Freak Alley, Alley Gallery, or the world center of birds of prey. <laughs> so three of the four of these are, or four of the five. <laughs> ben, I'm gonna go E, the world center of birds of prey. No, that's actually, that's number two oh. on the list. That's the second most exciting thing to do in Boise. The Simplot Potato Farming Museum, fabrication by me. <laughs> you set me up, you set me up. 
Uh, so easy. And Jerem, finally, the blue turf in Boise was first installed in 1986. In their first game, Boise State beat what team? 74 to zero. Was it Weber State? Was it not sleeping on Idaho State? Was it Humboldt State or was it Utah State? Oh gosh, Idaho State. No, it was Humboldt State. Sorry, Humboldt State. Yes, yes. <laughs> where, True story. Where, where are they? Seventy-four from? nothing. No clue. Yeah. Humboldt State. That's no the foe. That was when Boise State was the JC. Thank you, Ben. Let's give you some game notes. Let's go. Okay, so these are things you can use tonight to sound smart with your friends. Okay, here we go. BYU's longest run of the season is 49 yards, and it was by Ryan Rico, the punter, on that fake punt of 35 against Texas State. BYU, uh, Ryan Rico has the longest run of the season, 49. Will we see a longer run this year, Spencer? Yeah, at some point, because BYU still gets to play North Alabama. So mark that down. Longer run against North Alabama. Also, Ryan Rico is not going to have anywhere close to 49 punts all season long. That's how good BYU's offense has been. Jaron Boise State has gone 11 straight seasons, producing a 1,000-yard rusher. So if the starter and incumbent 1,000-yard rusher George Halani can't play tonight, I think that streak is in real jeopardy with the Broncos likely only playing nine games this season, eight in the regular season and a bowl game. So is this the end of running back you and their streak at Boise State? Well, there's an asterisk on everything. It's all good. Uh, BYU's outscoring opponents 111-24 in the second quarter. That's the quarter where BYU has won a lot of the games. Now, in this one, I'm thinking BYU wins in the fourth quarter, but in the second quarter, BYU's been incredible. Well, that's a big stat you bring up, Jerem. I'd argue that an even bigger stat is for BYU to have a lead going into the fourth quarter because Boise State has won 121 home games in a row when they have a lead going into the fourth quarter. BYU needs to be leading going into the fourth quarter. I can't emphasize it enough. How many of those were top ten teams coming in? You know what I mean? This is a different kind of matchup for Boise State, but obviously they're incredible on the blue. And our next game note is our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU is number one in the country in 10-plus yard plays. They have 136. That's awesome. Some of that has to do with the fact that BYU's already played seven games. But BYU has been great in almost every facet of football, right? You look at number two in 95 passing plays of 10-plus, and number three with 40-plus yard plays as well. So BYU has been explosive, and they've been punching it in the end zone. Let's see if that continues tonight. Jerem, you were asking, well, how many of these games are happening against top 10 foes? Not many in Boise, but to Boise's credit, they're 5-2 against top 10 teams in program history, and they've won four in a row against the top 10. So there's obviously a little bit of concern there for BYU. That's incredible. If they were 2-5, and five, I'd be like, that's decent. Most teams aren't that good against top 10 teams, so wow, wow. Boise State is 28-1 and one in non-conference home games since 2006. The loss to Virginia and Bronco Mendenhall in 2017. So in comes another coach from that played at BYU or is the coach at BYU, right? <laughs> and hoping to do the same thing. I can get on board for that, my friend. And in case you missed it earlier this week, let's remind you that number nine BYU is the highest ranked team 
to ever play at Albertson Stadium against Boise State in their entire FBS history. They have never played a team ranked higher than number nine BYU. That, to me, is wild. That is pretty wild. Also, this just in. Boise State was a two-and-a-half-point favorite when the line opened. BYU is now a four-point favorite. It has swung six points. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. Five-and-a-half, six points. So, BYU, uh, highest ranked ever there. Only, what, third home dog situation for Boise State ever. So, that is pretty gnarly. BYU and Boise State coming up tonight. Countdown at 8 Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It is now our time to... Turn attention to Dax Milne, who has ascended to bona fide offensive star for this BYU offense. Precision route running, great hands, leads the Cougars in receiving yards. Yet he's just still Dax, and it remains low-key. One-on-one BYU Sports Nation all-access with Dax Milne. Dax, there have been so many unforgettable, memorable moments during the 2020 football season for BYU thus far. If you had to pick one as your favorite, what would it be? Oh man. Favorite moment. Um, I think for me, it was just the first time that we were able to have fans at Houston and at home. I think it's my favorite moment. Just seeing Cougar nation just out there. It's a, it was fun. It certainly brings a different energy. That's for sure. Uh, the fact that you are roommates with Zach Wilson comes up often on broadcast, not as often as Zach's trips to California come up, but it still comes up quite a bit. What's life like in an apartment with Zach Wilson during football season? During football season, well, football does not end after practice. Um, it definitely carries over when we get back at the house. He's he's on the phone talking to coaches or his dad, and it's just sometimes I'm like Zach, just let's just take a break from football for a sec. But um, after that, then it's all fun. You know, mentioned we play ping pong and just watch movies and stuff. There's only one thing that slows it down, right? The Bachelorette. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> naturally. Naturally for a guy yeah. like Zach. All right, Dax, when I say number nine BYU at number one or number 21, rather, Boise State, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? Uh, rivalry. That's the first thing that goes in my mind. Um, you know, rankings – don't really uh, mean much to me. I just know that they're a great team. We're a great team, and I'm just excited for it. What memories do you have of the 2018 game that came down to the last series, ultimately BYU losing that game 21-16 when uh, you and Zach were freshmen in 2018? Yeah, uh, that that game is is it's it stings because I hate thinking about it. Um, I mean, I didn't have too much of a contribution in a freshman year in that game, but um, I know, I know Zach, Zach did, and, and I'm sure he thinks about it a lot. And so it'll, it'll be good. How much do memories like that impact your emotions and preparation going into a Friday night showdown like this? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think about it 24 seven, but like, you know, there's times where you, where it crosses your mind and it, and it just, um, I think it just kind of changes uh, my mindset a little bit and just, 
uh, you know, gets me extra focus, whether it's just doing film or, or out there on practice in practice, just, uh, it's a motivating factor. When you look at the 2020 season and see 7-0, and top 10 ranking, and clearly there has been a step forward as a BYU football team from the previous two seasons of going 7-6, and what has made the difference? Mm. Yeah, the biggest difference, I think, is just um, off-season and, and, and during the season, uh, just focusing on being a consistent team and, and just eliminating uh, – mistakes that are just easily avoidable and because in the past like we've been a good team it's just there's just been some just some small things that we needed to fix and I think we're kind of getting a hold of that uh, now and just building on it. BYU junior wide receiver Dax Milne with us on BYU Sports Nation. When Boise State uh, is in the rankings and on the blue obviously the nation is going to pay a lot of attention to what they do as a team but in your preparations for them, what do you know about their specific squad this year? Uh, yeah, on, on, they have an experienced defense. That's the first thing that I notice is when looking at their their depth, um, uh, especially their secondary. They're all if they're not seniors, they're they're either redshirt juniors or or seniors. And so I know that they've played a lot of football and and uh, they know what they're doing. So uh, I think that we need to um, realize that in uh, and game plan, game plan for an experienced defense. All right, Dax, we'll finish with this. Uh, thanks to election day, preparation time is at a premium this uh, week and it's expedited. So how do you overcome that? Uh, yeah, it's, it's super weird. Um, but yeah, I think we're just going to today just do what we can and uh, just put our head down and grind as hard as we can. Um, and then Tuesday, just, you know, it's unfortunate, but I think we'll still do what we can, whether it's watching film, get our own lifts in, um, and, uh, come, come travel time. We'll be ready to go. Ladies and gentlemen, his name is Dax Milne. He has officially graduated to bonafide star from underappreciated player. Let's give you some BYU sports nation karma for Boise state, my friend. We'll see you up in uh, Idaho. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. The karma is transferred. Dax Milne on the Deseret Still First Credit that. Union Hotline. Sure. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Dax Milne's sixth in the country with 706 receiving yards, and he crossed 1,000 career yards, which is pretty gnarly. So did Gunnar Romney uh, in the last game. 706. 706 is pretty gnarly. Is he going to get a thou in an abbreviated season of sorts? I mean, if it was a full season, would he get 1,200? I mean, he's, he's uh, had a tremendous season. He called him the most underappreciated player on the team. I mean, he's, yeah, he came out of nowhere. Literally, he was like the sixth receiver on the team. And now he's the number one in yards and touchdowns, which is pretty gnarly. How about that? Good for Dax, and good that he's got a scholarship now. Absolutely, yep. And he got that after his freshman year. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio. Huge, massive, doesn't begin to describe Friday night's showdown between number nine BYU and number 21 Boise State. It is a major turning point game for hopes and dreams of a potentially magical BYU football season. Jerem, what are the consequences of a win and a loss on Friday night? All right, let's walk through it. So a win, the magical season continues. 8-0 for the fourth time ever. 
New Year's Six is still possible. BYU's at least in the college football conversation for the playoff, although I don't believe that's real, but it's fun. Validating, amazing win. Finally got one on the blue in the sixth try. That'd be great. Zach Wilson-Heisman conversation continues. I think if BYU loses, perhaps that uh, is dithered a little bit. It's a revenge game for Zach Wilson, so he'd get that win after that disappointing loss as a freshman when he took a sack inside the five. And Utah fans continue to be apoplectic on social media. If, <laughs> if BYU loses, magical season over. New York, New York Six probably isn't possible, right? College football playoff discussion absolutely ends. BYU feels somewhat fake with a loss in the biggest game of the year a little bit, right? Um, 0-6 on the blue. Heisman conversation loses heat with Zach. And then Utah fans continue to be apoplectic on social media. So either way, Utah fans are going to be apoplectic. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah, can't wait for that. Someone tweeted... <laughs> BYU hasn't played anybody this year, like a U fan. And the BYU fan said, you literally haven't played anyone this year. <laughs> that was funny. That was really funny. Well-played response. They, they will this, this week against Arizona. The New Year's Six feels like an absolute lock, assuming BYU does something they've never done before. Beat Boise on the blue. This is a top 25 showdown made to order for BYU to prove a point. This is the litmus test that everyone's been asking for. We thought... Maybe it was Houston, and it was to a degree because BYU faced some real adversity for the first time against Houston all season long, and they came back, ended up winning that game by 17-plus. Poetic, right? Based on where that whole conversation started. Look at us throwing up the New Year's Six Bulls. It feels like an absolute lock if BYU takes down a ranked Boise team on their field because then again, BYU's three best wins would be on the road at Navy, at Houston, at Boise State. In reverse order of what you just said, too. Yeah, There's some meat on the bone there. So the Cougars also probably climb one to two spots in the AP poll. They're number nine. They could be as high as number seven or eight because Georgia plays Florida. Number five plays eight. One of those teams is going to lose. Whoever loses is going to drop below BYU if the Cougars beat a ranked team on the road. So that at least one will spot, happen. Yeah. BYU will yeah. climb at least one spot. Who knows what Cincinnati does uh, against Houston this week? The AAC and, can get weird. And prepare yourself for BYU not to climb very much higher. There's just not much room to go. There's not much room to go. And slash BYU's not going to be ahead of you know the top four or five. Like Cincy at six is based on Cincy being good the last couple of years. Wisconsin's not going anywhere because they're not playing games. They could go backwards a little bit by having. No game. Which they did. They dropped a spot. BYU climbed to number nine this week. Yeah, and BYU's in danger of doing that later, which we've talked about. What's incredible is BYU has climbed in every single poll thus far, and that trend will continue even though there's not much room if they take care of Boise State. So, yeah, I'd like to see BYU make history. With a loss, any college football playoff talk vanishes like a mist in the wind. I mean, it is as fast as it shows. Oh, we are it is, dust in the it wind. It is gone, baby. Like BYU has to do that to remain relevant. They'll be ranked in the college football playoff well, poll, but in would, that conversation. But to be, be in the playoff conversation, right? They'll still be relevant with the loss. New Year's Six, I don't think is one hundred percent off the table if BYU plays a close game and loses, and BYU is able to add a game of some relevance on either November 28th or December 5th to regain some credibility to. back. They would have to. They, they have no shot if they don't add a good game. Yeah, and by lo- good game, I mean a ranked opponent. 
a loss to Boise State would then really put some urgency in that. Okay, we've right. got to go find somebody. And I don't, yeah, I don't think New Year's Six is going to happen if BYU loses. Like, it's they don't, they're not going to reward a team like BYU that's literally played zero Power Fives to get in that large bid with one loss. I just don't see it. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.